G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the round five preview edition, the Easter round. And uh, wow, hasn't this first month of the season gone incredibly quickly? It flies by once it starts. Um, we are here as always, courtesy of Palmerbet. Get tackle busting benefits all AFL season Thanks to the guys at Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Certainly very appreciative of their support, as I and we are appreciative of the presence of my Footyology podcast co-host. He's had a week off. It should be uh, all refreshed and raring to go. Uh, a very big hello to you, Robert Shaw. Uh, thanks, Rowan, and uh, thanks for the... Um... Uh, the long service leave <laughs> yeah. that I gr- gratefully took, and uh, after three headed, weeks, yeah, headed up to um, headed up to Darwin. I initially planned the trip to um, uh, maybe catch up with Michael Long and Dean Rioli, but as I went one way up the middle, they went south to watch the AFLW at the AFL at the yeah the AFLW Grand Final at the Adelaide Oval. Oh, that's so, right. Uh, Danielle Ponter is yes, Michael Long's cousin, isn't she? Co- correct. Yes. And um, a very strong Adelaide AFLW supporter is Michael. So while I was going through the Red Desert, they were they were lapping it up at the Adelaide Oval. <laughs> and anyway, uh, just, how was Darwin? Just quickly. No, it's good. Looks good. Looks sharp, Darwin. The modern Darwin is really attractive. Um, Great acknowledgement of history. Wherever you go through a park, there's plaques and signs and, you know, about the Darwin bombing, uh, in the Indigenous culture, um, the original landowners. It's such it's such a, a unique place. Mm. And um, she's a long way away, mate. It's a yeah. long way away. Yeah, anyway. I was up there uh, I was up there about uh, a year and a bit ago and uh, it, it certainly has a very different feel. I remember getting caught in the middle of a a storm too and the rain was so heavy it hurt. <laughs> yeah, we just we just caught the not the end it, it's the wet season's finished so we're in a little bit of a hiatus between the wet season and uh, the emerging dry season which is uh, through our winter. Nice. Well, no uh, games to speak of in Darwin, not this weekend anyway, but uh, we've got games all over the place um, and we've got them spread across five days of Easter. Should be a bump around first though. Plenty of news going on. Let's talk about it. On Footyology, news feed. Well, obvious uh, main news story this week, and that is the announcement uh, by AFL Chief Executive Gil McLaughlin that he will be standing down at the end of this season. It's been coming a while, this one. I think um, there's some argument that it may have happened earlier had it not been for COVID and uh, the havoc that has wreaked on everything, really, for uh, a couple of years now. 
Uh, but it certainly um, made the end of McLaughlin's tenure in that role pretty challenging. And uh, I think it's fair to say he's probably emerged with his legacy enhanced by getting the competition through those couple of years. Even his fiercest critics would have to concede the AFL has done a pretty good job getting us through that little period financially. Uh, I guess the I would argue the other big um, legacy he has left is the establishment of AFLW, which really was got up and running probably about three years ahead of what was originally scheduled. And uh, that might be crucial time, really, uh, as we see the professionalism of the women's game develop further. A lot of other things too, of course, uh, broadcasting deals. Um, on the flip side of that, some would, uh, and I'm sure someone close to this program would argue about uh, Tasmania and perhaps a, a little bit of tardiness in, in bringing Tasmania into the fold. Um, I think there's some cultural issues surrounding the organisation itself vis-a-vis uh, -vis the boys club and uh, certainly uh, in relation to the treatment of uh, women uh, in the AFL. And I say specifically within the AFL, which is certainly quite um, ironic given the championing of the AFLW cause. A lot to digest. We don't have time to talk about it all here, but uh, interested in your take on, uh, well, first the news and what sort of legacy you think Gil McLaughlin has left, Robert Shaw? Look, I think you've summed it up very well. I'm not into the, the political um, stuff at all, but I guess I suppose a, a place very close to my heart is a political issue because we've seen... Um, mega millions, and I mean mega, mega millions, poured into uh, emerging markets in the north at the expense of my own state, which is a foundation state from 1879. And I sent you, and I'll give you an example. It is now called AFL Tasmania. AFL Tasmania, AFL Queensland. They don't let them near West Australia, and they don't let them near South Australia. But we've... Uh, We've bowed down to AFL and subsequently we've lost clubs. We have had uh, a moving, moving uh, chairs of CEOs, managers, in and out. Something better comes along, out they go. There's been no sustained plan for the development of our state. And if you think, you know, with Demetrio, he's in the last 10% of his, his tenure. So between... Demetrio and McLaughlin, they've got to fire a shot in the last 10%. He cannot go without this legacy. You've ticked all the, you've, you've done all the boxes. You've ticked them. AFLW, COVID, broadcast rights, terrific. Um, I read something on Twitter, and I'm not going to uh, tell you who wrote it. It's very easy to find. I think he's an old colleague of you, yours. The pointy end has prospered. Millions spent on emerging markets, foundation state withering on the vine. How is local football and country football going? We'd all like to sit in 1A. I'll leave it at that. Mm. Um, I think I, I might, uh, I, I, I honestly haven't seen that, but I think I might know where that came from. Well, I mean, the bottom line with Tasmania is there's supposed to be, uh, I think, a recommendation made to the Commission on Tasmania's potential entry uh, this August, I think. I mean, is That's it... correct, yep. Um, so how's that tracking? Are you confident they're going to get the thumbs up? 
Well, if Gill's a leader, and he is, um, and internally he would love to see, as a football person, he would love to see Tasmania. Um, and we've all also lost our talisman, uh, the William Wallace of Tasmania, um, Peter Gutwin, mm. our Premier, who has resigned on the spot, citing um, burnout, which is mm. legitimate. Yeah. Uh, he, he steadied the state economically. Um, he fought for infrastructure. He fought for sports. He got, you know, the incredible success of um, the basketball team, you know, the Jack Jumpers. Mm. But they've won 14 games. They're mm. half a game out of the top four. They've destroyed, you know, so, and they, they average 4,000 people per game when it only holds 3,000, the venue. So that that's what can happen. And he's been a, a champion of everything uh, progressive for Tasmania. It, when it did happen, it initially, yep, I said, oh, no. Does that open the door? Because he stands up to him, you know, he fronts him. Does that open the door for the Cochrans and the Kennets and these sort of blokes to put a leg in the door and and, and not let us close it? Well, um, presuming it does get the thumbs up, what, what just quickly, what do you see as a potential um, arrival time for a Tasmanian team? I've got it five to seven. I'm in no hurry. Five to seven see, years. Yeah, I want to see it in my lifetime because um, it'll be interesting now because Goodwin wanted to build a 30,000-seat stadium on the harbour in Hobart, mm. which will be one of the most picturesque grounds in world sport. It'll yeah. be amazing. Mm. Uh, they have to fix up transport and parking. Um, I hope that continues, and uh, th that will take the five to seven years. So that has to coincide with the development, the list management, the staff, the coaching, the CEO. You won't be able to do this in six months, Rowan. Just take your time. Get it right. Don't do what Gold Coast did to start off with. That should be the template. Get what they did and do the opposite. Yeah, um, yeah. and certainly uh, ditto with the Brisbane Bears. So let's go back yeah. uh, a bit further. And uh, in one word, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, McLaughlin, overall? Overall, a thumbs up. All right. Uh, well, it's certainly been uh, it's been a but long. But that's a five point five out of ten. That's not a eight out of ten. Okay. All right. No, well, he could well, have come home with the look. He can come home with a wet sail. Yeah. He can blow us out of the water and finish with a nine out of ten. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, plenty going on uh, besides that. Actually, we have had uh, finally the announcement of the fixture for rounds. 10 to 11 you have to keep reminding yourself that we don't get the whole fixture anymore that uh it's all been um sort of a a, a work in progress after the first nine rounds but <laughs> you um, mean it's not on my fridge i haven't got the old fixture no nah. card on the fridge well nah. it, ru it ruined my fixture analysis too because uh yeah I, I, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't do it all in one hit but anyway um look i won't read through it's all readily available on the internet uh, pr probably the most um interesting fixture is that of the richmond essendon dreamtime game which as it happens is now clashing with believe it or not the federal election on the evening of saturday may 21st so i'm sure there's plenty of jokes there about tigers bombers uh, morris and albanese 
ALP Liberal Party. But if you're not uh, interested in the election, and I would argue everyone should be, but if you're not, um, there's certainly a decent escape with uh, a pretty high-profile event game in uh, Richmond, Essendon, the dream annual Dreamtime game on Saturday, May you're good. the 21st. Yeah. You're good at this sort of stuff. What game was the... Oh, oh no. Why did I bring this up? Uh, uh, Brax got... Uh, oh, yes, yes. Okay, I know. Right I do you want me to say what you're going to say there? Um, oh, I knew there was something and all of a sudden it's come to me and I'm thinking, I'm not going on with this. Yes, but uh, the 99 preliminary final was election... Uh, exactly the same thing, wasn't it? An it was election Vic- day. Victorian election yeah. day. And yeah. uh, the result that evening may may well have saved my life after the events of the afternoon. Um, anyway. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, we digress. But the fixture is up there if you want to have a look. And like I said, if you can't stand politics, well, immerse yourself in the Dreamtime game. Uh, more COVID capers. Brett Ratton uh, will not be coaching St Kilda this week. He has contracted COVID. And uh, the responsibility will fall to his very capable assistant, Brendan Wade, um, who's, uh, well, if he's after omens, it's certainly a good one for him. We've had uh, four games now coached by fill-ins already this season. Uh, two by Jamie Graham, replacing Justin Longmuir for Fremantle. Uh, one by Ash Hansen, replacing Michael Voss for the Blues. And uh, Essendon last Sunday, uh, Blake Carousella filling in for Ben Rutten. And so far, the scoreline is four zip for the replacement. So as well for Brendan Laid. Um, St Kilda, of course, up against Gold Coast. And we'll preview that game uh, very shortly. I guess the other thing we need to cover off on, uh, Rob, is the Paddy Ryder uh, two-game suspension for that bump on Hawthorne's Will Day and uh, challenged at the tribunal, but the tribunal has upheld that two-game suspension. Now, we can go through all the usual arguments here. I've got no. to say, I think, um, you know, if, if you don't look at it technically and the fact that Day was concussed and people might argue, well, you have to look at that, but geez, stiff to get two weeks of that, I reckon. Yeah, he put the brakes on. There's no doubt about that. But uh, once again, I read in the injury report that uh, the kid might miss one to two weeks. They're going to look at that very strongly. There's no doubt that... Uh, Ryder was approaching with speed, but did put the brakes on very, very quickly. And um, um, I thought it was uh, not two, probably not zero. So I gave him one week. And, I expect, and yeah. had, had, it, had it marked down. I, yeah, I expect him to get one week. Um, but I, I've got to, you know, look, I don't sound like an old fuddy-duddy here. I realise you've got to protect the head, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, in a collision sport, some of those things are, are unavoidable. And it's it's a constant... I mean, it, this is what happens when you focus on the consequences of an action rather than the intent. Um, and I'm not sure football's a game where you can afford to do that. Last night, Rowan, they argued that he did have other options. He did actually brace for a bumping action, whereas I think one of the questions reading through the... Uh, through the the website was why didn't you attempt to smother off the boot it's a very good question and i reckon the reason he went is because he could have done that okay all right he could have looked at the ball he could have looked at the boot and that's the other side of the argument for what i've seen i've seen it three or four times read the transcript and um 
And that's the difference between English getting off, no alternative, you know. Was there any other option? No. And um, obviously uh, English's opponent got up, I think, from memory, whereas uh, Day went straight off the ground with concussion. So so they're the reasons you get it because you could have smothered. Well, it certainly uh, changed the landscape uh, of the game uh, in terms of physical contact. But, uh, you know, it's been going on a while now. So I guess in some ways we're not overly surprised. So two weeks for Paddy Ryder and he will be um, a loss for the Saints because the uh, the dual ruck thing with he and Rowan Marshall working pretty well for them so far. But we will talk about that in the preview of their game. One of nine juicy and meaty previews which we will get into right now on footyology previews with punch first game of round five is up at the gabba thursday evening uh it's become a bit of a uh, easter tradition this one uh brisbane playing collingwood 7 35 p.m eastern standard time is game time uh palmer bet the head-to-heads have Brisbane a very warm favourite, and uh, at the time of recording, a dollar nineteen uh, head-to-head Collingwood four dollars sixty. Although that will probably blow out a bit more, I suspect um, those odds, thanks to Palmerbet uh, get tackle busting benefits this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet, always remember to gamble responsibly. Of course, uh, good reason those odds will probably blow out further, Rob, and that is the shell of a forward line Collingwood has been left with uh, thanks to a couple of things. Uh, One, of course, is that um, terrible AC injury to Jamie Elliott, who is expected to be out now for up to three months, and he's a massive loss for them. But more than that now, Brody Majacek's partner has coronavirus, meaning he has to go into health and safety protocols and he will miss this game as well. And Jack Ginnivan uh, will miss the trip north as well, thanks to soreness. So um, it's leaving them a bit bereft given that. Majacek's kicked eight <coughs> goals for him this year. Ginnivan's kicked six. And Elliot's kicked four, Rob. How are they going to find the goals? Um, they're going to have to play to goey forward. On the news last night, um, McRae made very clear when he was asked this question that they will use Dugowie the way they have been, which is mid mid forward, you know, the sort of uh, stringer Crips role. I don't know whether they can do that, and they don't have to, I don't think, because they get Adams back into the midfield, even though Elliot has been sharing that role and does a lot of centre square work. But I think they've got to manufacture something against a very, very settled side. Um, only two out for uh, the Brisbane on their list, uh, that talented player Coleman, and of course, Hipwood's still away. The, the good news is to counter McStay and Danaher, they get rough head back, and of course, Adams will go straight back into the midfield. But um, also, the other thing I want to make, contrasting styles here. We've seen McCray be more adventurous quicker handball um the lines are averaging a hundred uh, the, the pies are averaging 172 handballs a game where the lines are a kicking team they only had 124 they like to kick the ball and they've got an edge in marks in inside 50 um 
So naturally, because they've got some very good midfielders that like to kick. If you've got Danaher and McStay deep inside, you're going to you're gonna uh, kick the ball. The Lions always look at this now, Rowan, and I know you said round four. I've often found, even in a previous job at our old club, um, always love to look at percentage and scores against. Lions have got 148% to the Pies, 109. Mm. It's a beautiful... A beautiful set of numbers. I think um, there's subsequently the lines are second for goals. The edge in inside fifties, and they've also done very well in the clearances. They're six, where the Magpies are thirteenth. Even the sample after a month, you know, I like to do a sample after six weeks, but there's already some movement coming out in the data that you can see. Um, uh, things starting to move and, and and you get a look at themes and the way clubs are starting to operate. Uh, the Lions have got it over the pies in most areas. I think it'll be competitive. They will manufacture something, but uh, the Lions by about four goals going away, I think, Rowan. Uh, the other thing we should point out here in terms of selection is uh, Taylor Adams, who missed last week with uh, COVID protocols. He will be back yeah. for the pie. So uh, handy return there. Uh, just some historical data here. Brisbane absolutely had the wood over the pies, pardon the pun, uh, for a long t- uh, Sorry, the other way around. The pies had the wood over the lines. Brisbane had won just one out of 10 clashes between wow. these clubs from 2011 to 19. In fact, I went up to the Gabba for this equivalent clash on Easter Thursday. Is that a day? No, uh, Good Friday Eve uh, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago now, 2019. And um, the Pies uh, absolutely gave them a hammering. It was 10 goals. But uh, Brisbane has won the last three and uh, last meeting up there at the Gabba, round 22 last year, an 85-point belting. Uh, the others, interestingly, have been close, though, one point and eight points. So the Pies, I don't know, they've got this thing, Collingwood, where they go away on the road, backs to the wall, undermanned, and they pull out a brave performance. We've seen them upset the Eagles in a final, no less, and they've done that a couple of times over there. I've seen them do it in Sydney, um, gee, it's going to be a, a big ass. So just, uh, again, don't see who is going to kick the goals for them. So uh, I think you've got to go with Brisbane here. They'll be keen to bounce back after that, um, well, narrow loss down at the Cattery last week. No disgrace losing to Geelong at Geelong by 10 points. And um, uh, winning form is good form, however, and they certainly want to cash in at home against an undermanned opponent. I'm going to go for Brisbane here, Rob, uh, fairly comfortably. Brisbane, for me, by 32 points. You got a margin for us? Yeah, 24. 24 I, l- I like the logic of um, new coach. They're a bit more attacking. Does that open the door, open the back door for Brisbane to attack them a bit more? Um, will history repeat? Don't think so. All right, so Brisbane for both of us there. Actually, just while I think of it too, we should uh, have a quick look at our tips for last week because whilst you weren't on the podcast, you, of course, got your tips in and um, we did put them on the website. But for those interested, yeah, you didn't have a great week. Uh, Let's see, we both... 
tipped Melbourne. We both tipped Brisbane. So we got that one wrong. We both yep. tipped Sydney. We both tipped Collingwood. So we got that wrong. We both tipped the Bulldogs. You tipped GWS. I tipped Fremantle. You tipped yep. Adelaide. I tipped Essendon. Well, I was one. I was five metres away from winning. And uh, yeah, if, if, no. te- if Tex Water was five metres closer, I get a walk away with the chocolates. Well, you don't sound disappointed. And you did tip <laughs> Hawthorne and I tipped oh, no. St Kilda. So I've got three back on you, which might just about level it up. Anyway. I th- might put you in front. Anyway. Oh, okay. Well, you've given away what was a pretty handy lead there, Rob. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming, I'm well, not coming home strongly, but I'm making a strong push now. Anyway, we are both going for Brisbane. That is uh, Good Friday Eve, and not just one game now on Good Friday. Uh, previously, a barren day on the footy calendar. Not just one game now, but we've got two. Second game of the round is a now annual Good Friday clash between North Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium. 4.20pm is the, some would say, strange kickoff time for that game. Palmer Bet. Uh, get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Thanks to Palmer Bet. Remember to gamble responsibly. They have the Western Bulldogs a very healthy favourite in the head-to-heads. The Doggies paying $1.16 North Melbourne. Uh, this is, as of Wednesday morning, North Melbourne paying $5.30. And, of course, Rob, uh, memories of this equivalent clash last year, which was, well, it was ugly indeed for North Melbourne. The Doggies winning by a massive 128 points. They did meet again later in the season, though, in round 16, where um, that margin was uh, diminished significantly. The Bulldogs winning this clash by 29 points. But the Doggies, nowhere near where they want to be at 1-3 and cannot hit the side of a barn. In contrast, North Melbourne, um, after being dismal against Brisbane, they were terrific, I thought, against Sydney last week. And, um, well, I won't say stiff not to get the points, but, gee, they came close to getting the points. Uh, Just a goal literally in the last couple of seconds by the Swans extending the margin out over a goal. So much, much better effort by the Roos. Jack Zeebel kicking five goals, and they just found greater intensity and effort all over the park. So, look, Doggies, certainly very comfortable favourites. But, boy, are they going to have to start kicking straight, Rob, because uh, I'll I'll get that figure for you in a sec, but uh, absolutely cannot hit the side of a barn at the moment. Yeah, the worrying thing is they're uh, 14th on the ladder. It is early days. Um, You're right, Rowan, it comes down to, you know, they're averaging 10 goals, 13 a game. They get it in there, 54. They average 54 inside 50s for the dogs. They're certainly getting in there. North are right down at mid-40s inside 50. Mm. So somehow, without without Bruce, uh, Vandermeer is out with the hamstring. Johannesson can go forward a little bit. They're, like Collingwood, there's a little bit of work to do with their mid with their with their forward setup. Heavy reliance on Norton. Um, they're not playing the second ruck. A la, like an Essendon situation, which allows Peter Wright or an English to play a fair amount of time in for it. I think English is being missed up forward. He does run forward and kick goals, but it's a little bit different to being a secondary target. Maybe they'll look at that at selection. The dogs lead the contested ball, uncontested ball. Clearance of us are very even. This is interesting. So 
if North can win that, win that battle against the the star-studded midfield, it gives them a little bit of a chance with uh, with Larky's form. Um, Zeeble going forward was quite a creative move because I think at times opposition worked him out, take him deep in the back line and outmark him. But at the opposite, two of their most creative, exciting players, Taron Thomas and Cam Zerha, are also out of this side. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big loss, Zerhar, uh, isn't he, uh, to the concussion protocols. Um, Jed Anderson uh, returning after his, uh, well, issues with the COVID vaccine, etc. But, of course, he'll be coming back through the reserves. Uh, Jared Pollock, incidentally, too, surgery on a foot over the weekend. He could miss up to six weeks. Um, and Ben Cunnington, of course, um, well, you know, indefinite. And um, let's hope we see him back at any stage. But uh, they've got injuries they can't really afford. Darren Thomas has been a big one for him, hasn't it? One to two weeks again for him. Um, they can't afford to be without someone of that quality. Will Phillips, really promising uh, young uh, midfielder too. And he's had glandular fever. Um, don't know if he'll be back uh, as yet either. So... Uh, the doggies. Now that uh, figure, by the way, is sixteen thirty-six. Oh. So that is just lamentable. And in fact, if you add the last quarter of the round two game against Carlton, when they kicked two seven, it is uh, eighteen forty-three. Um, sounds like a year of a revolution or something in Europe. But uh, and the the Bulldogs certainly need some revolutionary activity going on with their goal kicking. Well. Uh, goal kicking and also where they shoot for goal. So, as I said, they're getting the ball in there. The big loss, and it, does it give North a window? Um, if they defend well, which they did last week, it was the first time that we have seen them a, a, a really substantial game plan. This mm. is what they're doing. They brought a pressure game that we haven't seen, and uh, it nearly worked. It was a great... So when you say when you say a pressure game, we're talking, well, you know, pr- Richmond style. Try and you know, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah they've been it. running, they've been exciting, but they just get beaten. Mm. So to us, it wasn't sustainable. Mm. So there was a lot of work done on the track. I know they were deplorable. The coach had a go of them. There was a, a an emotional reaction which you get when you've been humbled, but the fact is they've now got a template from which to operate. Can a lot of upsets these days, a lot of upsets that you don't see coming. Um, if Thomas and Zerha were in that side and given the the woes of the dogs, Alex Keith being out, I'd I'd give the I'd give North a sniff. But but dogs by nineteen. Yeah, I, I think uh, I tend to agree with that. It really does need uh, all hands on deck. As you said, um, the doggies uh, set back for Alex Keith, Latham Vandermeer as well. Um, who else? Cordy should return this week from concussion. Uh, Mitch Hannon has a test. He was ill last week, didn't play seniors or reserves. Um, and uh, Scott, Anthony Scott, had uh, migraine in the third quarter of that game against the Tigers, so they'll be keeping an eye on him as well. Look, I um, I just think the stakes are too high for the Doggies, even at this early stage. I mean, if they slip to one and four, uh, they're going to be very, 
very hard pressed to even make the eight, let alone mount anything from there. So uh, it's a must win for them. Um, and that puts uh, a higher premium on victory for them than it does for the Roos. Uh, Just a quick one, mate. Yep. So you, you've moved now after four rounds with your experience. Are we now in must win territory? Uh, you, you, you with me? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. For no, some I, teams, yeah. yeah, I think it is. Well, when you when you consider that uh, only two sides in sixty odd years have made finals after being uh, zero and four, and the doggies are one and three, but um, yeah. you know, not a lot better, I'd suspect, for sides that are one and three. So uh, they they've just got to win. I'm going for the doggies. I think they'll win comfortably enough. Uh, I'm going for them by, let's say, 36 points. What say you? Uh, 19 to the dogs. 19 for the doggies. All right. Uh, that is the first of what is a Good Friday doubleheader. And the second leg of that is in Perth. Optus Stadium in Perth, uh, Friday evening, 7.40pm Eastern Standard Time. That is the date, time and place of the battle between West Coast and Sydney, of course, those famous grand finalists of 2005-2006. Uh, Palmerbet head-to-head have the Swans a comfortable favourite, paying $1.55 West Coast, who broke through for their first win last week against Collingwood. Uh, and what a great win that was, paying $2.47 head-to-head on Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Thanks to the guys at Palmerbet. Always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Uh, look, Sydney's really had the edge over the Eagles for some time in, in these clashes. Uh, they won 13 of 16 against the Eagles. And uh, if you cast your mind back to last year when they played at the unlikely, perhaps, venue of Cadinia Park, uh, boy, that was ugly that day. The Swans absolutely stitching up the lethargic Eagles by 92 points. Uh, the Swans have won two and lost three at Optus Stadium in their visits thus far, but two of their losses have been by just one and two points. So it's a ground which uh, seems to suit them, probably even more so now, given that they are far more of a running side now and they've got plenty of useful legs. That said, though, Rob, um, the Eagles' effort all season has been admirable considering the lack of personnel on the park and I think that win last week was the least they deserve. So, uh, gee, I, I reckon $2.47 head-to-head might even be a touch long for them. I, I reckon there's some sort of silly chance. What do you think? Well, I'm exactly with you. They've got a, they've got a couple of uh, issues. Uh, they're one of the highest turnover teams. Like They just turn the ball over, and that could be personnel. Well, I think it is personnel. And unfamiliarity initially early with some players coming into that team. But, um, you know... They still haven't got uh, Oscar Allen. He's not on the he's not on the uh, the board yet. Is coming back. It's going to be very interesting. They've lost their key ruckman for twelve weeks, and have you got those injuries in front of you, Rowan? Or do I you do. Want to, yeah. Um, what chance do they give Kelly and Yo of coming back into the side? Uh, Kelly is listed as a test. Yo is also listed as a test. Yeah, we, Wednesday morning, it's really hard. I'm yeah. not making excuses no, for no, us, it, but it would is. you be a little bit more tempted if those two were cherry ripe and back into that side? And I'll tell you why. No Lance Franklin, Papley's not there, and their number one ruckman, um, well, Tom Hickey's out for five. The form last week 
a Barres and McGovern was nothing short of brilliant. Yeah. Now, can West Coast hold these blokes? This multi-dimensional Heaney, Parker, Haywood. Um, can they hold these blokes to um, ten to thirteen goals on their home ground, and maybe pinch it? I think you've summed this game up very well. Do they have a sneaky chance? And I'm going to say yes on the proviso that Kelly and Yo play and play well. Yeah, you tend. I tend to think it was unlikely. I mean, you, those sort of soft tissue injury type scenarios, when when it's a test and the guy's been out for you know a month or whatever it is, uh, you, you tend to sort of think it's less likely they'd play and, and until they were cherry ripe. So, I do agree with you. I'd be almost tempted to go the upset there. But like I said, I think Sydney's record here counts for something. Uh, one, two. And two of their three defeats by very, very narrow margins. So they don't mind this ground at all. They've got good run. Uh, gee, I love Justin McInerney. In fact, I said, oh. uh, you missed this. I made a big call in um, the preview, I think, podcast with Ronnie Werner, uh, which was, I think Justin McInerney will win a Brownlow medal at some stage. He's, I just, I don't know. I'm besotted with him. I've spotted him early. He is a real, real talent. So uh, keep your eye on him. And the boy Warner goes pretty well too. I'm going to stick with the uh, Swans here. I think, um, look, I'll give the Eagles every chance. I don't think it's going to be by a lot, but I think Sydney's good enough to uh, to get the points. Uh, I'm going for them by 12 points in this case. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, not enough known about Kelly and Yo. You made a good point. We saw, you know, he's not in their class, but blokes coming back. Um, Will Snelling for Essendon, last a quarter, same calf. You've got a question, go back through the VFL at a lower intensity. They're not going to do it with Kelly and Yo because they're critical players. Um, Nat Nui out. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go exactly the same as you. I'm going to go between, you know, between 10 and 20 points, somewhere in the teens for the, for the Sydney siders, who in fact do do travel very well themselves too, you know. Well, we split the difference and give you 15, 15. points. Thank 15 you. 15 points is the margin. And yeah. uh, incidentally, just on those Eagles injuries, um, I thought the list was beginning to shrink a little last week, but I'm looking <laughs> at it now and it's as bad as ever, given that we are looking at this on a Wednesday morning. But even now, there is no fewer than 14 players on that injury list and uh, the longer term ones of those, well, Tom Cole, he's inactive. Um, we've got uh, Jamie Cripps is a, a, another one who's got a test too, but. How far uh, Sheed away, Rowan? Uh, Sheed uh, looking at four weeks oh, God. and uh, Nick yep. Nantanui, uh rather considerable presence on that list too, 12 oh. weeks. For him, um, boy, that's uh, just everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for the Eagles. Bit of a disaster, really. Um, all right, we're both going for Sydney narrowly, despite all the West Coast woes. That is the Good Friday agenda. Um, let's talk about what's going on Easter Saturday. Next cab off the rank in terms of games, Saturday afternoon, one forty-five. PM St Kilda taking on Gold Coast at Marvel Stadium. Palmer Bet telling us that the Saints 
who, boy, have they played some good football after a shoddy first up performance. A dollar thirty-four head to head for this one. Gold Coast, um, who were terrific against the Blues last week and are two-two uh, with one of the losses, incidentally, by just thirteen points against Melbourne. The Suns paying three dollars twenty-nine. Uh, get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly, of course. Well, Rob, one thing you'd say about these two, and you might think, well. What's, what stands out about St Kilda and Gold Coast? Well, the thing that stands out is how close their games inevitably are. In fact, in their last five games, all of which have been won by St Kilda, the aggregate margin is, I should have added this up before, 20 points over five games. Nine points, four points, four points, one point, and two points. Uh, Gold Coast at Marvel Stadium, you asked. Well, you didn't, but I'm going to answer it anyway in case you asked. They've won two of their last four games at Marvel Stadium, and uh, they were two great wins for the Suns in the back half of last year against Richmond and Carlton. So St Kilda, pretty obvious and warm favourites. By the same token, though, the Suns, two and two. We've seen them start seasons well before and then fall away into nothing, but you have to say with the exception of a fairly horrendous performance against GWS in round three. They have been pretty good. Would you give them any sort of show here at all, Rob? No, I don't. I've been really impressed with St Kilda. And one of the things that has impressed me after a shocking start, I haven't heard too much whinging or complaints about the injury list. I'll jump in in front of you, but just quickly, Billings, Clark, Cofield, Hanabry, Geary might be back this week. Ryder will be out. Zach Jones is on personal leave. Higgins got concussion. They've had seven, eight, nine, ten every week. Mm. And to be fourth on the ladder is a really, really good effort. Uh, they're a high possession team. They average 385 possessions. And um, uh, they average 15.2 goals a game. To This is where I think they'll get them. Their, their, their possession rate and their goals kick from those possessions. Suns only average 11.8. And that's with home games. Um, St Kilda, astonishingly, and when you think about it, King, Ryder, Marshall, Membry, one other, Rowan, King, uh, they go pretty tall, the Saints, Mm. and it's working. They average 13.8 marks a game inside 50. That's elite stuff, that is. Well, as far as the Suns go... um... You know, you. I think they've been impressive given the absence of not as many players, but Ben King was just such a huge loss for them. Uh, and I was just thinking, where are they going to get any of their goals from? To that end, um, Jack Lacocious, in fact, comparatively good news there. He's only going to miss probably a week after hobbling off late in that win over Carlton. Uh, scans showing no structural damage to his knee, but it does uh, deprive them of another uh, goal kicker, which they sorely need. Uh, look, I've got to say, I've been I've been really impressed with their. Well, I was against the Blues anyway. They, there's a a great immaturity about them. I think just the way they sort of built that advantage against the Blues and converted into scoreboard dominance. Um, round one against West Coast over in Perth. You know, I know West Coast is horribly undermanned. But, you know, it was a real battle and they still managed to show a bit of maturity to close out the game when they needed to. You hesitate to say anything definitively about the Suns because as soon as things look all right, they'll turn around and pull out a vintage stinker. But I do think overall 
there is a greater maturity about this playing group. And, uh, you know, I like some of the things we're seeing. To, I, I like, for instance, young Davies. I think um, he, he's been a good pickup for them. Um, there, there's a lot to like about what they're doing so far. Casbolt and Chole have been a, a terrific combination. It gives them a target. Now, they're not as refined as St Kilda. They go inside 50 10 more times on average per game than St Kilda. They average 58.2. So the Swans are about, uh, the Suns are about get it in. Numbers, numbers, get the ball in. Whereas the Saints only average 48 inside 50s. But the telling stat is of those, they take 13.8 marks a game with that very multi-dimensional uh, um, forward line. A terrific balance, Gresham. They'll get Higgins back. And of course, they've got the big blokes. I think they've got too many guns thrown and they're too refined in their play, particularly at, um, uh, uh, this is Marvel, isn't it? It is uh, yeah. at Marvel, yep. Particularly at Marvel. I think they play the ground really, really well. They average 15.2 goals a game, and they're going to be right on the mark again with that. But I always said that Ryder and Marshall make them a four-goal better team. They were going to win this by six, so you take out Ryder, and they're going to win by four, aren't they? Okay. <laughs> so you're doing know. you're doing a good uh, pregnant pause there. Often... Well, I was thinking about it. I was waiting for you to jump. I was waiting for you to jump in. Well, so I'm so used to I'm so used to your predecessors' pregnant pauses. Oh, no. Often, often we had to wait the full nine month gestation. Oh. Um, all right. So you're going to St Kilda twenty four. Yeah. Yep. Look, thirty something for me. I'm going to go St Kilda. Right. Thirty eight points. Yep. All right. Just... That is the first game on the Saturday menu. The second one is a Twilight Clash, and it's over in Adelaide. Adelaide meets Richmond at Adelaide Oval, 4.35pm Saturday afternoon. Uh, Palmer Bet get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmer Bet. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, they have the Tigers a warmish favourite, $1.68 head-to-head for Richmond. Adelaide, $2.20. Of course, these two famously meeting in the 2017 grand final when Richmond certainly upset Adelaide's apple cart, the Crows having gone into that clash. Uh, warmish favourites. Uh, since then, well, it's been back and forth a bit, 3-2 to Richmond since that 2000. And 17 grand final. And if you're interested, the Tigers at Adelaide Oval, six and nine. Of course, they have won memorably a preliminary final there, uh, lost narrowly to Port Adelaide in a rematch of that preliminary final last season. But uh, good signs for the Tigers last week, Robin. Um, Jed Helsom having a guy like Dion Prestia back in the midfield mix, very, very important to them. Well, we spoke about um, a sneaky chance. Um, the Crows head, uh, have had more tackles. They lead the tackle count between the two sides. They have had more contested possessions. They lead the clearances, um, an average of 25.5 to Richmond's 15.2. Um, their, their tackle, I mentioned their tackles, average 53 a game. Richmond only averaged 42. Richmond get them in the percentage and the and the points against. Crows have had 378 points kicked against them. 
which uh, puts them in the bottom four. But the Tigers aren't that fancy themselves with 352. So um, Crows have got a full list. Um, Seedsman's on long term because of uh, concussion, residual concussion. Um, Candy, Grimes, Martin, Floston, all on a watch list, you know, for the Tigers. Mm. Where are they? How are they going? Um, and um, if they can build on that, if Adelaide can build on that at home, they played their forward line. I thought last week's game between Essendon and Adelaide was very even. But a couple of players for Essendon, Guelphie and Redmond, did match-saving things. And also Essendon kicked the ball marginally better into their forward 50. Some of the Crows' decision-making and kicking to Essendon players was extraordinarily bad and probably in the end cost them the game. So I give them a half a chance here. Yeah, I, I thought they were overall pretty impressive against the Bombers. Gee, it makes a difference having Taylor Walker there. He's just such a, you know, he makes the right decisions and he's a, he's a nice kick. But, you know, they, they are starting to show a bit up forward. I think Himmelberg looks oh, quite yeah. promising. Uh, Doesn't he them. what? Yeah, yeah, I had a real close look at him. And um, the Gallant boy from yeah. St Bernard's, yeah. a, a nice player. Yeah, so it's starting to come together there for them in developmental terms. Richmond, that injury list uh, looking a lot better now, of course. Uh, we don't know when Dusty's going to be back. Grimes, well, that might be a while too. Uh, but Boston, the next uh, cab off the rank, he's probably still one or two weeks away. And uh, th- this one also really important to them. Kane Lambert played about a half in the oh, VFL yeah. last weekend, so he'll make a difference on they've got to keep this momentum going um, and they will get these players back and then perhaps they can really get on a roll. So a game like this, they can't afford to drop really. And, um, you know, the signs were pretty encouraging in that win over uh, the Western Bulldogs. And there's been a lot of talk about him, but just Shay Bolton, what a star he is. Um, you know, I remember watching him sort of take his first steps and you could see something special about him. And you just thought, gee, can you know, can he? Uh, if this guy can do it at a consistent level, um, he's going to be worth watching. Well, he is bona fide star material now, and uh, he's going to give them great service for a long time. I think they'll get the job done here. The Tigers. Important that they win, keep that momentum going, and they continue to hold the fort until those other injured stars and absent stars come back. Uh, I don't reckon it'll be by a lot, though. Um, I reckon Adelaide showed last week that they're pretty consistently competitive now, and they've certainly been that's certainly been the case with them every week thus far this season. So I'm going for the Tigers. Uh, I reckon they might uh, they might have their work cut out for them, but I reckon they'll get over the line by about 18 points. I'd be disappointed if Adelaide didn't put up a terrific show here and uh, on their home ground. And uh, given the outs of Richmond, the forward line of Adelaide, and providing, you, you mentioned him, providing they have a plan for Bolton's energy and his brilliance, I'm tipping Adelaide by nine points. Adelaide, Ooh, nice one. You, you are well, a it's gutsy. that type of season. You, yeah, you, yeah. You know, anyway. You're a I'm gutsy not... tipster. I like it. I like it. I'm very conservative, so... Balances that out nicely. Uh-huh. All right, uh, Robert Shaw going for Adelaide by nine points. I'm going for the Tigers by 18. Uh, I suspect this one might not be as close, but let's see. Uh, let's move to the MCG Saturday evening. 
Saturday evening at the MCG, 7.25pm sees reigning Premier Melbourne taking on reigning nothing, um, but a finalist of last year at least in GWS. Palmer bet head-to-head is paying $1.18 on Melbourne. Not much value there. And GWS, a healthy $4.90 uh, get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Um, I've got a few st- stats to throw in on this one, but I'll give you yeah. first crack at this one. Rob, how do you say it? Well, I hope you have got different stats to me, but uh, first versus 13th, and we're just waiting, aren't we? We've got one undefeated team versus one underachieving team. The question is, are they underachieving? You would think with their midfield... Um, and the likes of Whitfield. They've got to get Toby Green back, but they've had an astonishing 366 points kicked against them. Their team defence and their back line really struggles, and and that's exemplified But the fact that GWS have a percentage of 82. I think there's only a couple of teams worse than that, North and Essendon. So they are right down at the bottom of the, um, the scale in terms of defence, and also that all-important percentage. Yeah, they've certainly uh, struggled for scores, haven't they? Um, number least against Frio last week, just 8-6. And that was easily their most paltry return of a season thus far. I had a, a thing in my head that uh, they were no good at the MCG. Um, actually did win two out of three games at the MCG last year, however. And uh, against Melbourne, well, it's... 50-50, really. One seven, lost eight. Uh, in fact, I'll just have a look quickly at the Giants at the MCG. Yes, the wins were... Uh, oh, that's right. They did knock over Melbourne last year at the MCG. So that augurs well for them. Uh, managed to beat Collingwood there as well. Uh, lost a couple more. Lost to Hawthorne and lost to Richmond just a couple of weeks ago. So they've had uh, a site or three weeks ago, they've had a sighter at least on the ground this year. I, I can't get excited about GWS, Rob, I think. Uh, and we, we knew the absence of Toby Green would be crucial, a critical absence for them. And you're looking at it now and you're thinking that stupid thing that he did in the elimination final last year, not only ruin their hopes of doing anything in 2021, but it's probably start going to end up stuffing up their hopes for 2022. Well, it looks like it. And you've got to add, remember, you've got to add Davis. Daniels is, you know, Davis, um, really important. We saw what he did against Franklin. Daniels is lively up forward, goal kicker. You spoke about Green. Lloyd's really important to them, as in Hopper. They've got significant out, but their game plan, like, and I'll give you the best example I can on, we talk about their defence and their team defence. Melbourne's trademark is tackling inside the inside the forward 50. They average 12 a game. GWS only average uh, seven a game. So they don't slow the opposition transition down enough for mine. Puts enormous pressure on this back line. And um, hence, they, they've got high scores against. Sometimes it's not rocket science. The good thing is they do have the capacity to play well at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. I don't think they've got the troops to be able to match Melbourne, who, are who, by the way, are only just going, but going along nicely, without um, greatly challenging the scorers. 
Well, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that point you just made there because sometimes you look at a really good side that's not playing to full capacity but getting the result, and uh, you think, "Oh, that's a good sign." And then, of course, you flip that around when their season comes to grief, and you go, "Well, aside the writing was on the wall. You can have that. You can cut that point. Well, you can cut that cookie either way, but." Um, I think with them, uh, you know, like some of the absentees are of some significance, aren't they? And Ben Brown now suspended in the VFL. He's going to miss another week. Salem still a month away from coming back. Uh, Michael Hibbard still a couple of weeks. Harrison Petty came back through the VFL last weekend. But, you know, it's showcased their depth, I think. Um, Some of the wins haven't been great. The win over Essendon wasn't great. The win over Gold Coast wasn't great, but uh, they're doing enough. And I, th- I thought they flicked it up a, another notch against uh, Port Adelaide in that win. Just to demonstrate, though, how far below their capacity they are, um, I had the rankings here somewhere. I'm just desperately trying to find them as we speak. Uh, I think they were ranked uh, they were ranked seventh with the football, first, fifth, and first without the ball, clearances, and post-clearance. Um, those rankings right now are a lot less, something like 12th, I think, in a couple of cases. Well, wow. wow. So, um, yeah, look, they're, they're certainly not the finely honed machine that they were towards the back end of last year, and yet they're the only undefeated team in the competition. And right now, to be perfectly frank, you'd say, who, who's going to challenge them? Well, you know, Brisbane probably up there, but uh, they're out, out on their own by a fair bit at the moment. Then again, Richmond were out on their own by a fair bit in 2018. Only ever takes one stumble, Rob, he said, with a another um, unfortunate allusion to the preliminary final in 1999. Uh, but that's all it can take. Uh, yeah, look, I think Melbourne getting the job done. GWS, limitations about what they're doing. I think Melbourne wins this one pretty comfortably, don't they? Yeah, Melbourne, um, In I'll go the old uh, favourite, one goal a quarter, 24 points. Just be careful. I don't think it's deliberate, but you summed it up well. Not going through the motions, but well, getting you don't, the job you don't done. Think I'd, you don't think I deliberately summed it up well? <laughs> I think, well, you summed it up very well because <laughs> if you lose form because you're just going along, all of a sudden you go zip two mm. and you're out of form very quickly. Mm. It's, it's, it's easier to go up a gear and really turn it on than to find something that's disappeared, like form, yeah, and be yep. in a little bit of a rut. So, just I'd like to see Melbourne just flex some muscles in the next couple of weeks and really have an emphatic twelve-goal win against someone, yeah, and everyone to say, "Wow, are they hungry? They're really switched on." At the moment, they're doing what they have to do. Just yep. a, a slight warning. That's all. All right, uh, Melbourne for by 42 for me. I reckon they might uh, do this one on the bit. Good. All right, uh, that's Saturday out of the way. Uh, let's go to Sunday. Our first game on Easter Sunday, 1.40pm Eastern Standard Time. It is at the MCG and it is between Carlton and Port Adelaide. Palmerbet. Uh, have the Blues uh, pretty handy favourites on the head-to-heads, paying $1.55. Port Adelaide, $2.47. You can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Remember to 
gamble responsibly. Uh, look, Port fancy themselves against the Blues. They've won their last six against them. And their record at the MCG is pretty handy too, Rob. They've won seven of their last 10 games at the MCG. And last year, that included uh, accounting for both the Blues and the Magpies. So that one was a pretty hard-fought win, though. Port, however, come into this game in a world of pain, propping up the ladder, winless. Well, And <clears throat> uh, a preliminary finalist from last year, just about to say their finals hopes for 2022, already done and dusted. Uh, do you give them any chance here at all, Rob? Well, I do. I definitely do. But um, there's got to be a significant change. And what worries me is... Um, and I left them out of our percentage discussion. Um, their, their percentage at the moment is 69.5. Mm. Like that's, you know, Carlton's is 102. Uh, they've got the fifth most points kicked against them, Port Adelaide. They average 44 disposals for goal, per goal. It's far too much for a suggested preliminary final team. Carlton averaged 32 possessions. So, Going on the early month of stats, ports, ports, and and to back that up, they they've averaged eight point five goals a game. Mm. It looks like they're getting a truckload of it, not using it, overusing it. Forty four disposals per goal. Carlton, okay, they're not well beaters. They're they're averaging thirty two disposals. It just gives you the an indication of their inefficiency. Their inability to kick goals. Um, have you have you got the inj- I think Alir Alir is a chance, Rowan. Um, I'm not sure about Charlie Dixon and Robbie Gray. Uh, just flicking down to uh, Dixon ankle to be confirmed. Alir Alir is listed as a test. He's returned to training. Um, they Dersma. Might, Dersma. might be forced to rush him in. Dersma is also listed as a test. Where's Gray? Did Gray play last week? Did I miss? Did I doze off watching that uh, game? Robbie Gray. Uh, no, no, he's been removed from the injury list. Uh, right. He'll come into calculations. They'd um, have to bring him if he's trained really well. They have to bring him back, which defies the logic of uh, bring them back through the SANFL and the VFL, which was uh, twenty-five minutes ago. That was our theory, but I think we've got to throw the theory out. If they're all ready, put your best players in, have one crack at it, get off the mark. And your season sort of starts. I tell you what, I, I'll just—I'm probably not game enough to follow it through. But this is one of those games you look at and you think Port, you know, they're up against it. Everyone's just about written them off. This is exactly the sort of game where they could come out and really yep. start putting it together. Um, Gray, incidentally, was out with health and safety protocols as well, so uh, you know God. he's not coming back from an injury as such. Um, Gee, I, I give them some sort of chance here. And the fact they've won their last six as well. Does Carlton's loss up at uh, Gold Coast uh, knock some of the stuffing out? And of yeah, course, good. we're, we're yep. talking we're talking injuries there too. And uh, don't come more significant for them than the loss of their skipper, Paddy Cripps, who fortunately looks like he's only going to miss a game. It's on the lower end of uh, seriousness in terms of hamstring strains. But him uh, and Wines cancel each other out, Ryan. Yeah, no. It's so a we've fair got to look. Point. We've got to look somewhere else. Um, McGovern's a loss. They might get Oscar McDonald back and Pitney back into the ruck. Uh, this is at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Yeah, I'm with you. 
Yeah, well, go on. <laughs> go on. Well, were you about to do your tip? No, no, you do your tip. I'm, I'm waiting right. with bated breath. I, I think very few – this is a, a side that was um, targeted. There's a club with an enormous amount of pride. Um, they've performed poorly. So, about round five, you think something would click into gear. Did it knock the stuffing out of Carlton? We're about to see because I'm picking Port Adelaide by 11 points. Again, it's a gutsy tip. You know, the um, I was just about to to jump on board and then I was you reminded me about Ollie Wines. And, uh, yeah, like he – you're talking about a midfield that relies way too heavily on yeah, good two point. guys. He's one of them. The other one, of course, is uh, Travis Spoke. So I just think that makes it a bridge too far for them. So – uh, look, they might make Carlton work for it, though. I'm going for the Blues, let's say, by 22 points. Touch of the Richie Benos. That is uh, the Sunday afternoon game. And there's going down the road at Docklands, uh, Sunday twilight. 4.40 p.m. Easter Sunday is the time. Marvel Stadium is the place for Essendon taking on Fremantle. And the betting in this one. Thanks to Palmer Bet, um, get tackle busting benefits all AFL season. Thanks to Palmer Bet, remember to gamble responsibly. This is close. This is the close one officially in betting terms of the round. The Bombers just installed as favourites, paying a dollar eighty-five head-to-head. Fremantle paying a dollar ninety-five. Now, as you would know, Rob, uh, these two teams have an interesting history. Essendon has won the last five clashes against the Dockers. But three of those, including last year at this same venue, have been by seven, six, and seven points. In fact, all those narrow victories over the Dockers have been at Marvel Stadium. I reckon the Dockers will be looking at this one and thinking not only we're a decent chance here, but this is a game, if we're serious and we want to uh, underline our credibility as a third-place ladderist, I was going to say, they are third on the ladder, you wouldn't yep. have thought so, given the way they've played, but they are third on the ladder. This is the sort of game they should win against a side which, let's be honest, isn't playing well and has injuries to important players, a la Zach Merritt and now Jake Stringer. Um, what do you reckon? I reckon the Dockers should be favourites almost. Well, I think they should be because um, they'll get their full back back into the side. Pierce, very important for the matchup with Peter Wright. Arguably their number one midfielder in Sarong and, and the versatile Tucker comes back into the side. So all of a sudden they're becoming pretty healthy. Um, Essen might get Cutler and Francis back into that side. Um, Snelling broken down and you've you've spoken about the other injuries. Mate, it, it, if you look at the numbers, it's not surprising. Um, the Dockers are the, seventh, uh, the second best team with points against. Their defence has been magnificent. Essendon have got the highest points against, again. And I put something on Twitter today, and it just annoys me. It's not a pot of coaches or anything. What changes? Like, I put up stats from 2020 and then put up the stats from another person, put up the stats from this year. They're exactly the same, Rowan. Mm. Contested ball, last in transition, High scores against. So I'm not sure. Their percentage, Essen, is 73. Frio's 132. 
They're mm. doing a lot right, a hell yeah. of a lot right. But if you, as you said, are they a third team, third on the ladder team, are Essendon a 16th, or do we squeeze them a little bit closer to that? But they've just been really impressive. And, and I did the ladder today, and I went, hang on, what's that? They're third, Frio mm. are third. Mm. You know, I reckon without looking the ladder, oh, ninth, eighth, you know, but they've been terrific. Um, they're going to miss Fife. Obviously, Fife is out, but, gee, Essen have got some significant players out. I, I sum this game up exactly like you did. Travel, show us what you've got. You've lost close margin over here. Cement your position in the top four and show us you've got something. On the other side of the scale, it's another must-win for Essendon. They've just got to keep hanging in. So this is a really an example, a great example of ladder positions, maybe not reflecting the closeness of the two clubs. Essendon will play all right at Fremantle, can't go back on the plane and everyone say, oh, they dropped a game again at Marvel, again to Essendon, and again by four points. So that's why... I'm favouring Fremantle to win this game. I reckon Essendon's depth has been exposed with this run of injuries. Now, granted, you know, the, the injuries have been to key players, but should you be that lesser aside because you don't have Zach Merritt and now the last, well, last week and who knows how many weeks, Jake Stringer now. And Langford's um, important. And, and right? Langford too. But, I mean, you know, look, plenty of sides yeah. have injuries to key players. I read out the St Kilda injuries. You read yeah. out the West Coast injuries. Yeah. Um, um, oh, we're young and we've got injuries. Nah, it, don't, it doesn't stand the test of time anymore. Yeah. Other clubs are standing up. St Kilda are what, fourth? Mm. Fremantle have had a truckload of injuries. They've had COVID. They're third on the ladder. I'm not, I'm not buying it from Essendon people one bit. You've got injuries, live with it, and either depth, positioning, opportunity, picking the right team, the right game plan. This is, a win- is this a winnable game by Essendon, Rowan? Yes, of course it yeah, is. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Exactly. I'll go, I just wanted to say on the Bombers, the other thing that really disappoints me with them so far this season are, well, A, the skill level, and B, the decision-making. Um and, you know, sometimes the lines get blurred with those two things. But, you know, just an obvious example, but uh, they're a goal on half up, three minutes left on the clo- on the clock. You know, Dylan Shield bursts out of the centre and just turns it over under no pressure at all. And then... And, sorry, I'm going to butt in here. Yeah. That's not skill. That's a decision it, yeah, and an awareness. Yeah. Kick it, he can kick it 72 metres into yeah. the forward pocket. They get a throw in. And they stay up that end of the ground. The siren goes, and they win by nine points. Well, I'll give you one. What about the very last possession of the game? Mason Redmond takes a, a match-saving mark. There's fully 10 seconds left on the clock. All he has to do is go back and just hang on to the ball. He passed it off. And then <laughs> I can't remember who he passed it to, but they passed it off. And it wasn't that far from an Adelaide opponent. I mean, it's just... I, I, I don't know what they think or don't think sometimes. Anyway, again, we're going to say this every week. It's not the Essendon show. Um, I tell you what, I didn't think I'd, no, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I, I didn't think this season I would tip Essendon to get beaten by Fremantle at Marvel Stadium, but I am. I'm going for the Dockers to win this one. Uh, I think they can reverse those narrow defeats at the hands of Essendon 
had Marvel Stadium in years past. I'm going for Fremantle to win by six points. I'm going by seven points, the Dockers. All right, well, we can incur the wrath of the Bomber Hordes together because we're tipping the opposition. Oh, yeah, because they pick Essen to win 24 rounds, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't hey? win, if you did, you wouldn't win many tipping competitions. <laughs> All right. Oh. That is the Sunday schedule, which leaves just one game in the Easter round, and it's a traditional Easter Monday classic. Well, one of the great rivalries of the modern era of footy, and uh, this has become an annual event game, no doubt about that. Easter Monday, the Hawks and the Cats, 3.20pm is the kickoff, and Palmerbet have the Cats as fairly warm favourites. Not surprisingly, I think uh, the Cats paying a dollar forty head to head. Hawthorne paying two dollars ninety eight. Uh, that, of course, thanks to Palmerbet get tackle busting benefits all AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet, remember to gamble responsibly. The Cats' recent record against the Hawks is pretty good. It was pretty good, famously for a long time after that two thousand eight Grand Final. It's Waxed and waned a bit since then, but recently it's been good. They have won seven of the last 10 clashes with the Hawks. And the MCG, which for a little while seemed to be a bit of a problem venue for them, they're playing all right there. Again, they have won eight of their last nine at the MCG. In contrast, Hawthorne, which uh, of course has the MCG as its sole home ground, their recent record there is pretty shoddy. In fact, they have won just three of the last 12 appearances at the MCG, though that does include two draws last year against uh, Melbourne and Richmond in what was the final game of the season. So some food for thought there in terms of how both sides perform against each other and at the venue um, the Cats, well, pretty impressive last week at home, admittedly, against Brisbane. But uh, since looking in all sorts at three-quarter time against Collingwood, uh, they've turned things around over the last five quarters, Rob. Whereas Hawthorne, after being really impressive in the first three weeks of the season, they had an absolute stinker against St Kilda at this venue last week. What does that mean for this one? Well, the Hawks and the Blues hit a roadmap unexpectedly because... Uh... I think we... Um, a roadmap support... or a roadblock? Well, they didn't read the roadmap correctly. Oh, okay. Right? And yep. the roadmap said, watch out for the roadblock. Okay. Um, <clears throat> nice get out. Cats are number one inside 50 team, which makes sense with Hawkins and with um, Jeremy Cameron. It makes sense. Get it in there. Hawthorne with Bruce Gunston and Lewis, particularly this impressive Mitchell Lewis... They're 17th. I can't work that out. Do they overuse the ball? We thought they were very exciting. Their running game against Port Adelaide was brilliant. But the tail of the tape's not healthy for the Hawks. The Cats are second in clearances. Hawthorne is 17th. Second last. And they've got a coach called Sam Mitchell. He'd be running the fingernails down the whiteboard. No, actually, it's a blackboard, right? Because that doesn't sit well with Sam Mitchell. 17th in clearances. So the Cats are really good in the areas that are going to hurt um, Hawthorne. Um, they're about the same in contested ball. Uh, Hawks are 14th. Look, key stats for the Hawks aren't great, but they've got out of the blocks really, really well, and they stumbled. Um, 
Geelong averaged 12 more inside 50s. Gee, they give their forwards a look. Mm. They really give an opportunity to Hawkins. And um, well, that's a good point because for a number yeah. of years now, the Cats have been one of the highest scoring teams in the competition. Yeah. It, it often, they don't look that great up forward sometimes, and yet they get the job done, don't they? And that's simply by a weight of opportunity. Yeah. And, um, well, I think that the Hawks might get Wingard back with the test and they lose Day, Higgins, Menangola. Oh, they, uh, they get, hang on, they rested Selwood and, and Stewart last week, didn't they? Or yeah. Did COVID, Stewart had... Um, Stewart had gastro. Yeah. Um, Selwood rested. He'll be, uh, they'll both definitely be back. Um, There'd be a fair chance, mate, wouldn't yeah, there? Yeah. So that spells uh, trouble for Hawthorne. Um yeah, where to for where to for the Hawks? Oh, I think uh, well, we're we're both bullish about them. They're going to have those setbacks. I mean, they're a, they're a young side, and uh, I did a video to this effect for ESPN earlier in the week, which was yeah. you know North Melbourne after the Brisbane game. Everyone said, "Oh, how bad a North!" You know, well they turned around, and nearly beat Sydney at the SCG. I mean, Hawthorne beat Port Adelaide in Adelaide by ten goals. Um, they're they're going to have more of those performances, and they're going to have more of these performances too because they're a young side i think um that they were the one stat which really stood out in their loss to st kilda was i think they conceded something like 105 points off turnover oh so they got absolutely ripped apart defensively um but that you know that could be a really good learning tool for sam mitchell uh injuries haven't been kind to them i mean will day's promising young kid but the one, and we did talk about it the other week, Ben McAvoy, you know, yeah. he's going to miss half a season. That is critical for them. He's so important, isn't he? Um, uh, look, um, they're, they're, they're going with the tallest bloke. Is he the tallest bloke in league football now, Reeves? They're having to go with him in the ruck um, up against Stanley. I just like that, mate, the luxury. They have a good win, and Tom Stewart and Joel Sell would come back refreshed. It's got to be all the way for Cats. And if you back that up with the numbers, if Geelong are around the mark with their numbers and get those players back fresh, they might throw a Higgins on the bench. They might throw a Menangola on the bench and bring in four fresh key players, important players. Although Higgins is more at the end of it, but certainly Menangola, Stewart and Selwood are very important. If they're, if they're close enough to their best, uh, Geelong are going to have a good win here. Yeah, okay. Give us a margin then. Uh, I think about 31 points. 31 points, says Robert Shaw. I'm going a bit narrower than that. I think uh, this is a sort of rivalry which that adage, no matter where they are on the ladder, was built for. Um, there's not too many games between those two that are decided by uh, blowouts. So uh, I'm going for the Cats to win this one by 20 points. And that concludes what is a marathon uh oh. five days of footy <laughs> marathon podcast by the sound of that uh, yawn from you um a fair bit of work goes into uh, doing these previews but we've got, you got to... my if you got my press pass can i meet you at the Essendon Fremantle game like uh, we used to remember we used to sit there Rowan. yeah correct all, I do. all those years ago do you know funny story i'm still waiting on my proper press pass i've got a, a paper <laughs> a4 version at the moment something <laughs> something went astray and i'm still they said it had turned up about round seven 
I don't know if I'm going to survive to round seven at this rate, but there you go. Now, good on you, mate. I'll you see you at the footy. Well, hang on. I'm going to let me oh. do the sign-offs first. Oh, righto. Sorry. So that, that is the end of our previews. Uh, and that, as you may have guessed, is the end of the podcast. Thanks again to Palmerbet, our official podcasting partner. Get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. You can uh, support this podcast by hitting the button there on the supporter page. Uh, thanks to ACAST, wherever you listen to the Footyology podcast, or you can become a Footyology patron. Thanks to the many links to Patreon uh, on the Footyology website and just $7 Australian per month helps keep this little operation going, keeps the podcast going, keeps all the wonderful things you can read on the Footyology website going. So uh, thanks very much for that. Uh, something else you want to say there, Rob? Or? Um, no. Okay. It's a long, <laughs> it's a long, it's a long weekend ahead of us. No, that's right. I, thought, I thought you were indicating you wanted to chip in there. No. It is important though, just a bit of housekeeping uh, in case you're wondering, we are going to record our round five review on Sunday evening, which means, of course, we won't have the long Hawthorne game, but uh, we figure better sticking to a regular time slot. We can talk about eight of the nine games thus far and the Geelong Hawthorne game, never fear. We will wrap that up in the midweek podcast, which will be only a couple of days later. So look out for the round five review edition of the Footyology podcast uh, should be up, we've got to say, pretty late on Sunday evening, but it'll certainly give you an early um, rundown and analysis of everything that happened over a massive Easter week end of football. That's it from us. Enjoy your footy, everyone. And as I said, look out for us Sunday evening when we'll wrap up just about all of round five. We'll see you then. 